Why not? A queer podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you are listening to Wine. Why not? A queer podcast. Episode 32. It's <sighs> the best I got. Every time we say that. The, uh, my intro there. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm hearing myself in one side, but I feel like I'm only active on my right side. I feel like I just had a stroke. <laughs> I feel like I'm speaking out the right side of my mouth. Look at me and smile. No, you didn't. You're good. Ooh. Good, good, uh, good save there. All right. <laughs> we're, up to a, we're up to a begging start. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, episode 32. Um, we uh, we have an official Instagram account now oh, yay. for Wine Why Not. So uh, if you're listening and you follow us on Facebook, hop on uh, the Meta Train down to Instagram and uh, like us there too. Oh yeah, yeah. We're like we're gonna be Insta famous. We're getting there. We have one post, <laughs> and it is about this show. <laughs> yeah, you know it, what's funny about this post? You know, you ever watch John Oliver? You do, right? Yes, I yes. love John Oliver. So Miss John Oliver. When I miss all of television. <laughs> when um what did AT&T used to own HBO, right? Yes, yes. And and he would like make fun of them the entire time. Yes. Yeah. He would make fun of HBO Daddy. <laughs> That's what he called it. So I'm I'm not going to make fun of Watermark, but I am going to say that about that post. It's the it's the second attempt at the post, but it is the first post because in the first attempt it said, "Listen at six o'clock live or seven wherever you get your podcast." So um, we changed that to just say seven because we're not advertising the live version anymore. Because sometimes, you know, if people if you're listening to it um, live at six, it may be that you're listening to a couple of podcasts ago. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so we don't know. We don't know what happens there, and we're not really in control of that realm. So we just dropped the six o'clock thing. But hey, if this is playing at six and you're listening at six, and I'm wrong, nice, very nice, good for you. Just shoot me an email and let yeah. me know. Go, just go into this the opposite of Bill O'Reilly. We're not doing it live. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Yeah, so if you, I just, I just mentioned, shoot me an email. If you, yeah. if you, if you hear anything that you want to comment on, if you, you can leave a comment on Facebook. It could be mean. It doesn't matter. Ooh, send us hate comments. Tell us how much you can't stand us. Tell <laughs> me can't. how how raspy and annoying my voice is. <laughs> it's so high pitched <laughs> and terrible. Um, <laughs> you sound like you're mumbling. That's what I get all the time. Like you're so gravelly. You sound like you're. You sound like you're mumbling. It's all that, well, not to spoil this episode, but it's all that Harvey Firestein you've been dealing with. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded like a a disease you had. Oh, you've got uh, the Firestein. I definitely had a case of the Firestein the last couple of weeks. You sure have. Um, So, yeah, shoot us an email, wwn at watermarkonline.com. We, you know, we're always happy to hear suggestions or, you know, read your email. If you send us hate mail, we're going to read it. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll read whatever you send us. That's send true. us your grocery shopping list. <laughs> you um, know, uh, you know, you know what? If you're of uh, someone like me and you have to keep track of your blood pressure, um, to to tell your doctor, send us that. We'll read it on the air. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll tell you what. And then your we'll diagnose are. you. Ah, uh, nothing we say is to be taken as medical advice during this podcast. <laughs> you know, um, but we will diagnose you. Um, you said something about grocery lists, and it reminded me. Have I ever told you that Jen uses Alexa to create her shopping list? 
I feel like you might have. Yes. Yeah. So we'll just be sitting in the house, and she'll be making something, and she'll run out of it, and she'll yell, "Alexa, put blah 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 on my shopping list." That is list. such an Amazon commercial, <laughs> right? And then, um, but then when she's not around, I will put stuff on her shopping list. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I this isn't funny, and it's not something I've ever said. But I would it'd be something like this. Like, I would say, "Alexa, put huge." penis cotton swabs on my shopping list Ooh. so that while she's out and she like plays her shopping list that'll it'll, it'll show that wouldn't it be hilarious if you added these things on and then she just randomly was like hey amazon order everything on my shopping list and just this weird <laughs> crap got delivered to the house why do i have 19 vibrators i didn't order 19 vibrators <laughs> i do I, I think i put huge titty hammock on there one time Ugh. you know as I put weight on, I would love a huge titty hammock. <laughs> Let me know where you get yours from. <clears throat> I feel your pain. Um, yeah. So, so that's our, our that's our housekeeping stuff. Yeah. Not, nothing, nothing much more. Did you did you do anything fun this week? Um, I did. I had to, actually I, because I'm old. I had to look at my calendar because I was I can't remember what I do from day to day. Um, but, uh, two kind of exciting things happened this, uh, this week. Well, three, three. Um, I don't want to discredit, uh, what we did together, <laughs> but two things away from you that I did, um, that, uh, that was a lot of fun. First, uh, anybody who, uh, is around me, uh, over the last month or who's listened to this podcast knows that I've become, um, obsessed with red, white, and royal blue. What's that? That. I'll tell you what that is. Uh, uh, we did a whole show about it. Yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to that episode. Um, so, uh, movie huge hit, like the number one movie on streaming services or Amazon. I can't. I'm not sure if it's just the one or all of them, but it doesn't matter. It was a huge hit worldwide. Um, so, um, I was fortunate enough to get to talk with Matthew Lopez, who's the director uh, of the movie uh, for Watermark, and uh, we had. Uh, it was originally supposed to be a phone interview, and then they sent me a Zoom link, and they're like, you know, he wants to see you face-to-face. -face. <laughs> I guess he wanted to see what he, what the person he's talking to looks like. So they recorded this Zoom conversation between the two of us, and uh, then sent me the recording. Now, I don't know if they do this for everyone he interviews, or if they just thought this was a special occasion uh, to show me what I looked like while I was talking to, um, and I'll be honest... Uh, talking to a very attractive man. And uh, it came up, you pull the video up, and the first thing I notice is he's sitting uh, like a normal person at his desk with the, the screen properly framed. And I, for some reason, am on top of the camera. Um, so all you see, I have like a giant head next to his tiny normal person body. And as I'm talking to him, my shoulders are tense the entire time, and I'm giggling like a 14-year-old little fangirl. <laughs> um, uh, so it's it's quite the embarrassing watch. Um, maybe I will take some clips of it, and I will throw it up on our Facebook just to show people what, what a journalist interviewing someone looks like. Um, I get the image that it's like the, the old Saturday Night Live skit with um, um, Chris Farley when he would interview people. Oh. And it's like, so, you know that song that you sang? Yeah, that was really good. Uh, my questions were probably a little better, but it definitely looked like Chris Farley was interviewing him. You're, you're, like, you're like, you know that scene like where they make Ooh. out and they're in the bed and they're having sex? 
Were you in the room? <laughs> um, that was not one of the questions, although he was in the room, because you know what we talked about? When we were talking about the movie a couple episodes ago, the hands, and I said, Alex sliding his hand in, then the locked fingers, that's supposed to symbolize the intercourse, and then he slides it out when he mixed it. That's exactly what it was. I asked him about that, because everybody I've watched the movie with, I've ta- I've said, I think that's supposed to be symbolism of his penis sliding in and everybody's like that's stupid shut up um and i asked him and he goes well when we were filming it that wasn't the intention we were just trying to get shots you know b-roll shots he goes but when we got into the editing room and the editor was kind of like putting things together we noticed like we had the different hand shots of sliding in and out of frame um so he put them in there as a a subtle penis nod and i felt vindicated (laughs) I stand by your friends. I think it's still <laughs> stupid. <laughs> anyway, um, it was a it was a great interview. He was he was super nice, very gracious, and uh, had a wonderful time chatting with him. That's awesome. Um, and then uh, Sunday night, last night, for those who are listening live, um, I uh, got the chance to go see um, Cece Tennille, who's a local uh, singer. She is uh, producing. Uh, an all new original album and she was having a uh, a listening session where they were recording the album live and they had a little studio audience there's about 100 people there and she invited me to come listen and 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 uh kind of see what her new sound is is like and it was a really great event a lot of fun um she they they were jamming out with the band and um the the guitarist had a little superman logo on his guitar which a dug um but it was a lot of fun Go Marvel. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, anyway, it's this big, beautiful house. It's uh, I think it's been turned into a museum, but it's like this huge mans- mansion um, out in Winter Springs. And uh, the event started at 6. The doors open at 6. And I got there a little early, and some of the other people did. So we were hanging out front, and they would not let us in until 6 o'clock. And we were out there sweating our ass off. And we were, <laughs> we were about to... Uh, we were about to storm the, the gates and get in there because uh, it was very hot. But it was a great event. Um, the album should be coming out shortly. Um, is, this, so, is this her first album without the captain? It is. Oh, <laughs> with the jokes. Um, yeah, it's her first original That's album. That's 100% for Jen because I, yeah. I know in her head she's making that joke. For those who are under 50, do you want to explain the joke? <laughs> I don't know. I'm under 50. So I don't. The Captain and Sunil, they were a singing duo. Singing duo were they? Do you know? I I only know Captain and Sunil from jokes on Friends. <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah. that they're a musical group or duo. I don't know anything else about them other than I think one is a, a ship captain. In my mind, I don't know if this is at all true, but in my mind, they sing "Don't Go Breaking My Heart." But it's not. It's Elton John. Yeah, right? I was gonna and then I'm like, is Elton John the captain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Elton John would be Tennille. Um <laughs> I don't yeah, I will I'll do some research. I am unfamiliar with Captain or Tennille. But Cece Tennille is uh fantastic and her voice, she up until now she uh does covers and she does an amazing uh concert of covers from Aretha Franklin. She has one of the most amazing voices. Um and just put on a great show. Um there was a couple of people there. Um, Terrence Hunter from uh, Central Florida Community Arts was there. Um, 
And it was just just an amazing event. Had a great time. The music was great. Bought the t-shirt. Um, you just okay. So, <laughs> Sorry. I just so that's Captain up a picture of Captain Insidio. And that is definitely not Elton John. No. Neither of them. No, that's closer to the skipper than Elton John. Is this John. like a before and after? Like this is you know, before I, and that's after. probably them back during the seventies or eighty or sixties or seventies, whenever they were popular, and that's probably them thirty years later. What are they saying? Let's see. Oh, love will keep us together. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. I've heard that song. Yeah. And the wedding song. Just the one, the wedding song. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah. I, so, I think that would be awesome. I, I, I love going to things like that. Uh, I love live music and especially like intimate live music with a powerhouse singer. Mm. It must have been great. Her, I mean, her voice is amazing. And then um, she has this one song that she sings that she dedicated to her wife. And just it, it was a room full of um, people that I didn't know other than a couple um, like Terrence was there and Chev from uh, uh, who's done a couple of uh, columns for us. Um, so I didn't know anybody there when I don't know a lot of people in a room like that. Um, I don't know how to read them queer rot, que- queer wise. Um, so uh, just I mean, she was just in front of everybody and uh, was just speaking uh, so passionately about her wife and saying, you know, um, just being a black queer woman and having you by my side and all this. And it was just really uh, powerful and moving. Then she sang the song and everybody got teared up because it's an amazing song. Um, so I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Yeah, so, it sounds yeah. great. So it was a great, great weekend. A um, couple of crappy things happened over the weekend. Um, obviously, uh, for those who are in Orlando, they, you know that uh, the center and Zebra Youth uh, got uh, uh, vandalized uh, with some uh, Nazi uh, messages and, and uh, uh, hate symbols in this spray painted on mur- murals. So, uh, and then the thing that have the three uh, black people were killed in Jacksonville by a white supremacist. So it was a shitty weekend, Florida wise. Um, so it was really great to uh, uh, get together uh, with Cece and uh, some of her closest friends and just listen to music and uh, try to kind of forget about the shitty things happening. What What time of the day do you think? Uh, what what is the appropriate time of of, of night that Nazis uh, vandalize property? I'm always I'm always confused by this because did no one was driving on the road? No one saw. Yeah, I have, I imagine some like you know two three four in the morning. But I mean, there's bars and stuff over there, right? So, that are open until like two or three. <clears throat> so is it is it like are they an early riser or a late sleeper? Yeah, I, do they get up? They get up at five in the morning and say, "Hey, before traffic gets going, let's we go should there. be able to answer that question here soon." Because as I understand it, there are security cameras pointed at both of those walls. So uh, OPD will be looking at that footage. Uh, and trying to identify who it is. So we should find out what time of day they, or what time of night they did it at. Yeah. And where the hell everybody was. Drunk, stumbling down the sidewalk. I've been there. (laughs) Uh, Stumbling on the sidewalk sometimes for me. Um, Yeah, but, you know, we do what we do. How was your weekend? Well, you know, my week was all right. Yeah. I mean, work-wise, it kind of was a, Friday wasn't very fun. You know, but uh, a lot of things popped up that were just kind of a nuisance. Um, you know, especially especially things with this documentary that are moving along very slowly at this point. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was fine. So I had that 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 kind of a 
weekend or that week that was not very exciting and not very fun. And in fact, I think <laughs> I was talking to Ryan, our coworker in, in St. Pete, and um, he thinks that my that my hair might be some sort of manifestation of depression. <laughs> oh, because you're growing your hair out. <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm doing with my hair, to be honest with you. It's like um, I just I, I I I think I just like I won't say I've given it. I just don't care what it looks like right now. You know, like I've just given up. Wine, why not? Is about to turn into a therapy <laughs> session. What's going on? Talk no, to I me. don't know. It's just, uh, but you, you know, um, I just, I think I decided. I usually keep my hair very short because I don't like the curls. But I just decided to embrace the curls, and I'm just gonna let it grow. You know, and may I don't know if it's like that mid-age crisis thing where you know. Um, not that Ben Platson is, is in a mid-age crisis, but he wanted to play a high schooler, so he had to grow his hair out, and it was all curly like that for Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, Adam Pascal did the same with the movie version of Rent. So maybe I'm just getting ready to play my younger self in a, in a movie version of my life, and so yeah. I'm growing it out. Uh, tread cautiously, because as I recall, the critics didn't care for either one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, judging from my week, the critics don't much care for me either, so it's okay. Uh, but you know, so I get I get to Orlando. Are you okay? You just look a little, look a little <laughs> I was, shorter. Over I was there. adjusting my seat and it popped down, but I'm good. Let's we'll push on. You know, so I I, I went I was in St. Pete, um, and then I came to Orlando because we had a show to go see, which we'll talk about in a hot, yeah. in a hot minute. Um, but when I get there, um, Jen is trying to make coffee out of her Keurig machine, and it's all coming out of the back. All of the coffee is Ooh. coming out of the back, and it's this thing. And so I said, you know, like oftentimes, you know, I, I repeat to myself the serenity prayer, which, you know, I won't say it now for, for fear that I will mess it up right now. People say, how do you say this all the time? You don't know what it is. But, you know, it's uh, grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, the cur- or the courage to change the things that uh, wisdom, I don't know. See, I told you I was going to mess it up. <laughs> Please give me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to, to change, change the things, things I can, I can and, the and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. So I saw this and I said, I can fix I'm not this. in recovery, but I love the movie Fight Club. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> they they say it in Fight Club. Yeah. Are you saying really they say it in Fight Club or really you like the movie Fight Club? <laughs> like, like, really? You like the movie Fight Club? Uh, it's one of my guilty bro pleasures. Oh, okay. I have a very bro part of me that stays locked away at home. And it watches things like Dane Cook and uh, and Fight oh Club. Oh my gosh! And you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't that bro. Uh, okay, so I was like, I'm gonna fix this, and I watch, I watch way too many. What's a you know? You would think, oh, I'm gonna fix this curing and watch a video on how to do it. Yeah, you know, 15, 20 minutes maybe. I'm pretty sure I watched about two hours worth of videos and was like, on curings? Right. Yeah, on how to fix them, taking them apart. Right. It is not an easy thing to do. So I, I get the whole thing apart, and Jen, you know, it's like with that whole oven thing when I wanted to take it apart, and she's like, it's never coming back together. She was like, this is never coming back together. And so I, I start taking it apart. I have a whole system on how it's all going to work out, and I get to, to you know, you, you get it all taken apart, and then, you know, you kind of plug it in to see where the leak's coming from. And I was getting ready to do that, and I noticed the little the little tube, and I looked, the whole tube, the whole valve, everything was just off. rotted away. It was gone. Oh. Yeah, it was just gone. How and long it, has she had that machine? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I gave it to her when I bought, when Dylan and I moved in together. So it's probably been a couple of years. Like, it's been like four. Okay, all right. 
four years. Uh, and so, but they're all, it's all plastic parts. And, and I guess it's just after being, after hot water running through it time after time after time, it just, it just cracked and broke and they don't sell these parts. So I was very disappointed that I wasn't going to be able to, you know, fix it in the long run. So, you know, that's my big, Mm. I Googled while you were telling your story, um, a curing machine will last you three to five years. Oh. Yeah, so it's so, about time. So when I, I found out, because I kept looking for the parts, and then somebody else had this problem. They posted on Facebook that they had this terrible problem, and they couldn't find the parts and asked if anybody had seen it. And they said, I can't believe that Keurig would make something that had this flaw and would not be replaceable, and blah, 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 blah. And they had had their Keurig, Keurig for seven years. And the first comment under it was, maybe you set your expectations a little high. <laughs> Like seven years for a coffee machine. If you want it to last longer, use a French press. I love my mother to death, but my mother, much like Google, um, growing up, whenever we bought something, um, and even today, whenever she buys something, her expectation that it will last as long as she is alive. So growing up, televisions, computers, she'd have a computer or a TV for 10, 15 years. Something goes, breaks on, she goes, I just got this thing. And I was like, no, you did. <laughs> You've had that laptop for 10 years. Most people swap it out after a couple of years. Her phone, she has to always have it on speakerphone because the she's had her smartphone so long that the regular phone part doesn't work. So you have to keep it on speaker. She's had it for like seven years. And I said, Ma, get a new phone. She goes, no, this is fine. She walks through the grocery store yelling into the phone. <laughs> I was like, Ma, no one's going to like you when you're grocery shopping. Get a new phone. <laughs> Jen was like that with her phone. Yeah, she had a phone like she, I think she had like the iPhone six, and I think they were up to twelve. What are they at now? Like seventeen? I don't know. Twenty? They, they were. It's I up feel there, like right? iPhone XX is a thing, but that might be something different. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's right. We're Android people. Yeah, we're Google phone people. We don't know. So I mean, it, it was it was a, a phone that was six years old, and it hadn't been updated. In Ooh. forever, and so she kept she kept complaining about her phone and complaining about it. she's like it won't do anything. Why won't it do anything? And I'm like, because it's six years old and you haven't run an update in five years. Like, what do you what do you expect from yeah. it? I mean, I get they're expensive, but you know, break down and buy a new phone. It's time. It's time. I've had this one for I think going on four years, three years, and I'm re- I'm like I don't I need. Have to you go. really had it that long? I am trying to um, budget. So um, yeah, so I paid this phone off. Last year, so it would have been two years at that point. And I'm like, I'm gonna hold off. I don't need that extra phone bill, but it's getting to the point where it just feels old. <laughs> I I just looked out. This is why I'm not in a relationship. I looked out. I was like, I've been with you too long. <laughs> it's it's time to get something newer. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I mean, I I don't even think about it. I just always get a new one. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what? There's a there's a Google Eight. Okay, I'll get it. I don't think that there is. So I have a seven. I'm not entirely sure. We're gonna check the back. I think of my phone. if there is I one, it'll come out. Four, really? No, you've got a six. No, no. Keep talking about your week. I'm gonna pull up my <laughs> information. Uh, yeah, because my curing story was so fascinating for everybody. Tell me more about your microwave. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. yeah, Pixel Four. Oh my god! I gotta get a new phone. I am my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it snuck up on me and I became my mother. This phone's fine. <laughs> so the highlight. Oh, the highlight yes. highlight of my week. We both had, you know, uh, hit and miss weeks. 
But uh, we did do something this week that was a lot of fun, and we did it together. We did. We we had a we had a whole day together. We had a wine, wine, not day out. <laughs> we did. We watched. We watched the movie we're going to talk about later. But then yep. we went to the Doctor Forman's, Doctor Phillips Performing Arts Center, to see Colin Jost do yes. his stand up. He was. I mean, for those who don't know, Colin Jost is uh, head writer for Saturday Night Live. Yes, does weekend um, up with, with Michael Che. And if you don't know that, if you were at the show, the lady about forty rows back who screamed it, Michael Che. Then you now know. <laughs> what is it, people? I don't. Maybe they always were this way, but it seems worse since COVID. Um, when you're in a darkened theater and you're not the one on stage. Why do people feel the need to scream out? I don't know. And you know what What would mortify me if it was the person next to me? Not Jen. <laughs> that would also mortify me. But I don't have to worry about that with her. The, the person next to me screamed out, I love you. And, you know. That was the person next to you? No, no, no. Oh. If, but if it was. I, would, I heard that. I would just have to turn over. To, I mean, I would, it would interrupt the show. If the person next to me screamed, I love you to somebody on stage. I would I would say do you? What about them do you love the most? Like you don't love them? No. You don't know them at all. Um yeah, yeah. Luckily I did not have that much to drink that that night. Um cuz I really wanted to shout to the stage, "Colin, we're Scarlet." <laughs> Colin and I knew that would upset you so I didn't do it I I would hope that upsetting me wasn't the main reason that you didn't do that I would hope that that you know as much as we bitch about audiences I would hope that you would there were other reasons um yeah well, but I did want to shout out next to you now um Oh my god, that would if I would have been like no. I was sat next what to Beavis yelled, and Butthead. What if you yelled out, Where's Scarlet? She's like two rows ahead and she turns around. I'm right here, asshole, not let my husband up. do the show. <laughs> um no, I was next um I think it's okay to say this because I don't think either one of them are listening to the show. But we sat down, we get there, and each one of us had a younger, more or less attractive gentleman to our side. Um yeah, more or less. The more guy next to you was just beautiful. He was, yeah, he was hotter. He was than, very pretty. Yeah. Yours wasn't too bad either. Yours, um, yours couple the ne- couple next to you, and I told this to Jen right before the show started. I was like, tell Rick this, and I don't know if it made it to you. They were dressed like one of those TikTok videos I've seen where the couple's going out, so they let the other one pick what they're going to wear that night, and they always pick something to try to embarrass them. Because the lady next to you, and the couple next to you, the lady had on... Just a brightly colored dress. And the guy next to you had like a leopard print button-up shirt that I know he must have gotten at Goodwill because that thing was made in the 1970s. And they just looked awful. I know that's terrible to say. No, it's not. I'm sure they're nice people. I'm sure they're nice. But they were dressed like a four-year-old said, let me pick your clothes out, mommy. They were dressed like they thrift shop because they spend all of their money on craft cocktails and craft beer. (laughs) That, yes. Oh, they were that kind. Um, and that's fine. If that's your thing, yeah. do your thing, you know? I spend, I, what did I spend my money? I spent all my money on food. Yeah. I spent all mine on Lego. Yeah. There you go. I don't to judge. each their own, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but the guy next to me, pretty sure he was high. Uh, because through the, the entire thing, he laughed like Beavis and Butthead. And laughed really hard when um, 
whenever, and I think Colin and one of the other comedians, one of his openers, um, talked about weed. And whenever they talked about weed, he'd be like, (laughs) 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 weed. (laughs) What's so funny is he was too pretty to to be like a Beavis and Butthead type. Right? It did not fit him. And but when uh I forget again who which one of the comedians said and they're like, Yeah, who here smokes weed? Oh, it was and the first one, Molly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, Yeah, I do. And I was like, Yeah, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have to say I do. That's we can so tell funny. that you do. He said it and like no one around him but you could hear him. <laughs> he sounded he's like not loud at all. He sounded loud, but yeah, he was right next to me. And okay. he's just the giggling was so, just a little too much. After the or during the first act, the guy next to me was not enjoying it as much as the guy next to you. I, I will I will say my hot guy, if you could call him that, sure. was I think at some point he goes, "She's not funny." <laughs> so we should mention that uh, Colin had two opening comedians, both of them from SNL. This yes. they just had their first season of SNL. Um, the first one was uh, Molly Molly Kier. Molly Kearney, Molly Kearney. They were they were funny. Yeah, they uh, they're the ni- the first non-binary performer on SNL or out non-binary. Yeah. I mean, some of them might be non non-binary. No. <laughs> Holy crap! Did I smoke weed? Um, the first openly non-binary cast member. Yes. Um, and then they were followed by someone that you really enjoy. Oh. I think He's that pretty. might be the pretty one. He's pretty. Um, he is, what's his name? Marcelo Hernandez. Oh, ooh, you knew that one right after <laughs> Oh, yeah. I looked it up. The first thing you're like, Molly something? <laughs> and you're like, yes, Hernandez, that is mine. Um, yeah, he, wa- he was the second opener. Yeah. They're both, I don't know if there's like opener one, opener two, like Cat in the Hat. Um, but yeah, he came out and... Uh, did his thing, and he is—he's very pretty, very, he's very pretty, pretty. And, and really funny. I don't get the feeling—I don't know—he doesn't. Everyone else talked about. Well, obviously, I mean, obviously, uh, Molly is going to talk about. Um, I just hear the name Molly, and it makes me laugh. Sorry, I think of drugs. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I think about that day my mom was hanging in the park with Molly. Wouldn't it be funny if it was like my niece and this comedian? Uh, anyway, um, you know, she's, they, oh my God, I'd like that, I'm like their, her mom. Oh my God. I'm like their mom. <laughs> oh my God. I keep doing it. Where, I, I mean, it's, it was funny. They were yeah. talking about how their mom. Is really supportive. Really supportive, but will. But like beats herself up whenever she gets the pronoun She gets the pronoun wrong. wrong. Yeah, because she'll, she'll say she. She's yeah, like, she's and then so she'll, be, she'll like, be like, no. Son of a bitch. No. They. <laughs> I'm so proud of them. Um. She was she was super funny, and so she talked about LGBTQ issues. Yeah. They talked about LGBTQ issues because get they, are, they are one of these days. I mean, we did this. Why is they the hardest thing for us? Because we did this with um, there was a, an actor or something we talked about. Oh, um, I know you have problems with pronouns, but don't use we. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did it when we talked about the Flash. We kept saying oh him yeah instead we of they, and we we're like, geez, so we should. It's difficult, like with movies like that, because the character is male, but yes. the actor playing uh, the char- the character is non-binary. So it gets hard when you, you you're trying to sort that out. Uh, so they were funny, yes. and they were talking about LGBT issues. And then Colin Jost 
really went on a tear about um, LGBTQ issues, which yes. is interesting. A so, positive tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah positive when, tear. When you say a tear, it sounds like oh. he he's going to be uh, um, the next canceled one. But but Marcella did not. No. Marcella talked about nothing but white people. But white people, yes. <laughs> it, it which was, was hilarious. hilarious. Um, as white people, we can say that was hilarious. Yes. Uh, and as somebody, I, I didn't take, because he has this whole thing where he talks about um, how white people take Spanish classes in high school and then always want to tell him the few Spanish words that they know because he they took a few years of, of Spanish in high school. I did not take Spanish in high school. I took French. However, I do like to tell people the words I know in Fran- French. So I assume that I am one of those white people, just the French version. You know why it made me laugh so hard? It made me laugh so hard because I feel the same way about people when they find out I don't drink. And then they have to tell me how little they think they drink and i'm like i don't i don't care i don't care what you drink you know yeah oh i only i only have i have a three drink maximum when i go out okay (laughs) you know it kind of reminds me when i went i went to um that fundraiser last week that dinner yeah uh and one of the ways to raise funds is at our table is the Wayne Dichter was the waiter at the table and he bought all these bottles of champagne. So I bought Dylan a bottle of champagne because he drinks. I don't. And when it was done, he still had champagne in his glass and the bottle was half full and someone else in the crowd um, that I know doesn't drink either. Um, And I looked at that and we just both started laughing because we were like, what's your problem? You're going to walk away from a table with a half a bottle of champagne? (laughs) Chug that shit and let's go. And it was just funny because we, you know, that's how we used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Marcella. I forget where I was like, where were we? We started talking about this because of Marcella. Oh, uh, yeah. And and he was just, talk- I mean, it was hilarious. Yeah. His, his jokes were really funny. And nothing against him, but this is just how I feel with comedians in general. I don't know if he was funny because I always assume pretty people are funny because <laughs> they're out there telling jokes and they're pretty, so we laugh. Um, so there's a lot of comedians who I'm like, oh, he's he's very attractive or they're very attractive. Um, and then I look back and I'm like, are their jokes even funny? They're kind of dumb. <laughs> but not him. I'm not talking about him, yeah. but just in general. One that comes to mind that a lot of people yeah. love, uh, Matt Rife. Yeah. Matt Riff. Whatever however you pronounce it. I think it's Rife. He's super hot. I mean, if you go on his social media, he's got sh- pictures with his shirt off. and yeah. I mean, he's fucking gorgeous. But if I close my eyes and I just listen to his comedy, he's not funny. <laughs> not funny. Well, all he does is make fun of people. It's a it's a back and forth. Yeah, it's, I think we talked about. Yeah, it a little he talks bit to the time. audience and then he'll be like blah blah blah, <laughs> and then he'll just laugh about himself on stage at his own jokes. And I'm like, that's what, you're just hot. That's what it is. You're not funny. And if you're listening to this, yeah, you're hot. You're not funny. <laughs> um, he might be. Hernandez is funny. And hot. So it can be done, Matt. <laughs> my, my goal to beef up the numbers for our podcast is to get in a beef with someone. You know, I haven't, I don't think I've been to a comedy concert since I stopped drinking. And I mean, it's been years, so almost eight years. And I don't think that happened. I used to go to Lisa Lampanelli all the time. I mm. went to uh, Margaret who was the guy Cho. In, who was the guy in, 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 in community? Joe McHale. Oh, okay. Went yeah. to see him, you know, and I always think like 
comedy shows are a lot funnier when you're just getting drunk and you think, oh my God, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Ha ha ha. And then I was worried going to this. I didn't yeah. know how I would react to it. But I laughed a lot. I thought it was really great. And then I heard a bunch of people in the audience who were those drunk people oh, yeah. who thought, this is the funniest thing ever. And I thought, I'm so glad I don't drink anymore. Yeah. Or don't. They're the out. ones who felt the need to let the people on stage know that they thought they were funny. Yeah. And that they had questions. And then, but he was in Colin Jost, who was hilarious, would engage them. And I don't understand. I mean, he wasn't inviting them to talk, but yeah, if but he somebody would yelled, he would them. respond, which just encourages and Speaking people. of hot comedians, that man, um, not that I didn't think he was attractive on SNL, but that man is a lot hotter in person. Well, yeah, he's, he's a he lot He came prettier. on stage and I was like, I don't know what kind of cameras they're using on SNL, but you need to change them because you do not look this hot on camera. Yeah, and also he was like relaxed, and he's not yeah. in a suit and tie, and he yeah he was in his little t shirt. He's and not jeans, being forced to tell racist drinking jokes. Bottle from a beer <laughs> like a bro, and he's like, "What's up, friends?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I dig it." Yeah, I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. He was funny. He was hilarious. And uh, the lady who shouted out, "Michael Che, you will forever be my least favorite thing about that night." <laughs> I did like that he. And, and with with him and and Molly before they both it just they they told their jokes they got the crowd into them and then they're like okay let's talk about this thing that you all seem to have an issue with here in Florida and mm-hmm. and you know hearing a in on a stage that was in a very broy crowd um, they explained pronouns yes and it was you know, interesting to me. I would to see how people reacted. And yeah, there was there were some some much older people that I thought maybe wouldn't react too too well to that, but then they told an old joke and they laughed and I thought, all right, they're in it. Yeah, and I think we mentioned this when we were walking in. Um this may have been the straightest event that you and I have gone to at Dr. Phillips. We yeah. go to a lot of gay stuff there. I've been to a monster truck rally and that was the straightest <laughs> thing that I've been to in a long time. It was just very you know, I mean, it was even I've, I've, I went to um, Impractical Jokers concert and it wasn't as broy as. This. Yeah. Um, and one thing that we noticed when we sat down um, is not only was the audience very heterosexual and very kind of, you know, college bro, but we had to really look to find people of color. It was the most Caucasian event that I think I have ever been to. And to. That going to CC Tennille's event, which was like 90% black people, um, it was such a difference of just those types of, of you know, being around uh, different communities and just the drunkenness of the Caucasians. I don't want to white bash here, <laughs> but the drunkenness of the white people and just feeling very off putting with some of them, um, particularly the white lady when we were leaving who decided that she had to beat me up the stairs, so she cut in front of me and then got pissed that I was between her and her husband. And she's like, uh, you can just go ahead of me since you're uh, in front of my husband. And I said, you cut me off at the stairs, lady. And then she was like, oh, and then she ran away. <laughs> I went to the, the CC event and just the most amazing, loving, everybody was just so warm and caring and up singing and dancing along with her. I don't know. Maybe they got the words ahead of the time, ahead of time, or uh, but they knew some of the words to the songs. And I was like, "How did you do this? This is new music." <laughs> um, but they were just having such a good time. 
The spread was amazing. The food, I mean, they just had this long banquet table that was just one long charcuterie board and an open bar. And everybody was just having a good time and having, you know, singing and dancing. And it was just such, such a different kind so, of So what event. you're saying is that it was better than your pre-packaged charcuterie from Dr. Phillips? <gasps> Oh my God, I did do the show. So much, nothing, no disrespect, Dr. Phillips. You're a I wonderful mean, venue, but so much better than the charcuterie I had at Dr. Phillips. Uh, do you think, I'm, I'm sure that this is the case. It's got to be privilege. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's got to be the, it, I mean, I feel like that is an ultimate sign of privilege if in a crowded theater while somebody's on stage doing their show, you feel so confident. In yourself, that you're yeah. going to scream something it's out. It's about to them. being raised in a community where you're meant to think that you're the center of attention, regardless of what's going yeah. on. And that I think that was the difference between the event that a lot of people there, who even though you're not on stage, feel like I paid money for this ticket, so this is my event, and you're going to entertain me, or I'm going to entertain everybody. And when I went to CC event, it felt like a family event. Like we all knew we were there for CC, and we were there to support CC. The people at Colin's event were like, I'm here and I paid money. So Colin's going to acknowledge me when I scream at him from the from the audience. Yeah. So I've earned this. I've deserved this. I paid for my ticket and I'm going to get mine. And it's yeah. like everybody there paid for their ticket. Well, not everybody, I'm sure. Yeah. Somebody so must think, have won a pair. I think it's OK show. for you and me to say this. Um, shut up, white people. <laughs> Just <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. Shut, yeah. up. shut up and, shut watch up and have a good time. Yeah, <laughs> shut up and enjoy the show. There's a there's a girl that gets made fun of. Um, there, I don't think have we ever talked about the 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 subcult subculture of people who go to Epcot to see shows at Epcot. No, there's this whole there's a there's Are a you whole one of system. Them? Uh, there was a time in my <laughs> life where I was up where I was part of this and it's so interesting to me. Oh, cuz they do um air supply. Yeah, cuz there's yeah. right. So and and then there was an ABBA cover band and this is how we got involved cuz this guy I was dating at the time. We went to see this ABBA cover band. They were fantastic. I think it was called Bjorn again. And at the end of the <laughs> I know. At the end of the show, somebody came up to us and said, "You guys are hilarious. Sit with us." And so they were in line for the next show. And so we watched that show and then we got into this habit of going to all the shows all the time and seeing everything. And then we started learning that like they all knew each other and the people in the front of the line. And what they would do was like one person would say in the front of the line while the rest of the people were watching it. And then when the show was over, they all come back and get there and go in front to the next thing. And it was this whole thing. And, and like, and there was this one girl who was part of it and she decided that she just didn't want to sit there in the front anymore and somebody was like why don't why sing along and she said i just want to sit here and enjoy the music and she got like outcast for being like just wanting for to being sit, the sensible just, one just wanted to sit there and <laughs> listen to the music and and it's so funny i found myself falling into that category uh so i don't know if that still goes on um i still go to the air supply concerts yeah. but but i sit in the back yeah, yeah. I um and I, I I've had this conversation with uh, Chris, my roommate. Um, I am not a fan of live concerts. Um, first off, ninety nine percent of people, uh, singers and entertainers, performers, sound better on their albums than they do live. So I prefer the album version anyway. Do you know who that's the most true of? Black Eyed Peas. 
I've never heard them live, but I can see that. There's a lot of auto-tuning with them. Mm. So um, I can, and based on Fergie's um, Star Spangled Banner, Ooh. I can definitely say I would rather listen to her auto-tuned. Um, but I don't care for live concerts. And it's partly because they never sound good when they're live. But it's partly because um, people who pay that kind of money to go see someone in a concert feel like they have ownership over that music and will sing everything. And I didn't come to hear Barbara and Tony next to me sing out every Sam Smith song. I came to hear Sam Smith sing the songs. Damn it, Barbara and Tony. <laughs> Shut up and enjoy the show. I just, I know a Barbara and Tony who drives me nuts. Um, but yeah. yeah, I just, I I can't go to concerts. And I'm finding the older I get, I can't go see movies in theaters. And we've talked about this on this show, I think. Um, I just, people don't have, know the proper etiquette of being just normal in a, in a public setting and they make everything about them. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Um, but I'm, I love live concerts. I think music, I think the opposite. I love live albums. <laughs> when when people, um, if, if there's music I would never normally listen to, uh, I will enjoy it in a live concert. But I yeah. won't listen to it outside of that most of the time. But I'm also, I'm the guy who sits there and when they say, everybody on your feet, I'm like, I'm not getting paid to entertain you. <laughs> You're entertaining me. I will sit. Everybody in the whole place could be on their feet dancing, and I will be sitting in my chair listening to the music. Yeah. I don't, and no I shame. appreciate that. I, no I appreciate I don't, I don't, that. I don't, I don't All right. Well, let's talk. Now that we've talked so much about shit nobody cares about, um, let's continue. Yes. So our assignment this this week is basically all things Harvey Firestein. Yes. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. Um, so, uh, we read, I'm going to hold the book up like anyone, but you can see it. Um, sorry, I'm getting a call in the middle of the show. Ooh, it's, it's so important. No, it is a, is it a white lady screaming at oh, you? It's, <laughs> based on the, uh, the number and then Google sent it right to my spam folder. It definitely is a white lady who's trying to sell me something. You know, I get a call eight o'clock in the morning, um, on Saturday was it? No, it was Sunday. Um, of some lady trying to tell me that um, you, uh, your name is drawn for an Expedia vacation, and we just want to talk you, talk to you about the different uh, options you have from this uh, amazing opportunity. I was like, I don't know. It's Sunday. What the hell are you doing? Don't call people on a Sunday with your <laughs> phony, bogus, whatever. Anyway, so I'm holding up a book. Yes. Um, so Harvey Firestein yet uh, yesterday, last year. I think it was. Maybe it was earlier this year. I don't remember when it was. I it was last it. year. Was it last year? He released his memoir called uh, I Was Better Last Night. So um, I apparently we awoken a beast in you when we had you read Rant Brandon Wolf's book. So this is going to become. <laughs> I know this is twice this as is long. This is two books in, two books in <laughs> one month. It was like reading War and Peace. Um, so uh, we read uh, Harvey Firestein's book, and by read, I think that you got the you downloaded the yeah. audio book and you listened to it while you read along. Yeah, as we discussed with Brandon Wolf's book, this is how I read books. Yes. I read along while I listen. Yes. Um, so I attempted to read it without the audio uh, background noise of Harvey Firestein. How could you do that? <laughs> and okay, I tagged Harvey Firestein in the our very first Instagram post. So. Just 
in case he happens to tune in and listen to this, I want to start this with, I absolutely love and adore Harvey Firestein. Um, he is one of my earliest gay uh, or gay celebrities that I knew was gay and, and, and knew of him. This book reads like my grandmother telling me stories from the old country. <laughs> and it is, it, the, like two chapters in, I was like, okay, Harvey, can I just go play? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, it was a hard read. So I downloaded the audiobook because I was just going to read it like a normal person. Um, so I downloaded the audiobook and I listened to him tell me the stories. And it just felt like my grandmother telling me stories that I just, I was like, can I just go play? And then in my head, I'm thinking, Harvey's like, no, sit down. You're going to listen to this story. <laughs> I, that's what I loved about it. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of the thing. It's just that it, hearing all these stories, you know, in a time when life was totally different and he was a pioneer in hearing about how that all came about. I was fascinated by yeah. it. Yeah. I could listen to him tell me stories for ever. Yeah. And you did. You, you did a deep dive. You, um, um, I don't want to say you miseried him, but you miseried him this past week where you ingested everything Harvey. This past week, I think that I should give you a little bit background on yeah. my love affair with Harvey Firestein. So I have always been in fact, you say he was one of your earliest. He wasn't one of the earliest. He was the earliest. He was the only one who was out, said I'm gay. And, I mean, there were other people who clearly were, you know, Charles Nelson Riley, Paul Lind. <laughs> but I don't know that they were they were out. Yeah. Well, I – and you, you probably were introduced to him before I was. I didn't know who Harvey Firestein was until Mrs. Doubtfire. That's the oh. very first thing I ever saw of Harvey Firestein. Yeah. I mean, no, when I was a – and I was a little gay kid watching Johnny Carson right, with my parents, and he would walk out on stage uh, and get interviewed. He – and he was – like, when you talk about unapologetically out, he was unapologetically out, and he would – you know, somebody would say something if it, if it was slightly offensive. I mean, we're talking about a time when when the F word was part of every movie, when, you know, people who were gay were called homosexuals and they were not normal and there was something psychologically wrong with them. And anytime somebody would say anything like that or, or any indication that being gay wasn't normal, um, he would just come right back. And a very funny quip, to say, I'm going to put you at ease and let you know that I'm normal. And it was drawn to him, right? So drawn to him. So I knew of him from early on, like when, you know, when he was winning awards and was going on TV for Torch Song Trilogy for La Cage Faux, I was watching all of this. And it was, it was really important to me. Plus, he was a writer and an actor and it, all the things that I wanted to be. Right. And so he was the role model of you can be this guy. And so in what year did what year did Al Gore run for president? 2000. Yeah. So in in this election cycle for the election of 2000, <laughs> uh, Harvey Firestein was doing a fundraiser with Tipper Gore for um you know, for Al Gore's campaign sometime or somewhere in New York City. And I had just moved to New York City. And 
I was I was maybe there a year, probably less than a year, uh, and they they were having this fundraiser, and a friend of a friend called this my little group and said, you know, I need bodies, and it was a really rich, fancy to do thing with lots of really rich, fancy food, and we were very not rich, <laughs> like really poor people, spent all of our money on beer and and ramen noodles and had nothing. And but they just needed bodies, so they invited us to go to this thing, and and it was it was just great, and and seeing him in person meant a lot to me, and I just made this comment to this friend of mine that, you know, see, like this was a monumental moment for me because when I was a kid, he was the role model, and so he's like, you need to meet him. And I was like, I don't, you know me. I don't, I don't care. I don't need to meet you. And he's like, no, this is important. You need to meet him. And I was like, fine. And then we saw him walk out the door. And he's like, come on, let's go. I was like, he's leaving. He's like, he's probably just parked on the street. We'll just go get him. He was parked like four blocks away from this place. And we followed him to his car. And I think, you know, I, my memory is a little fuzzy. But to, but to me, the interaction went, went like, what do you want? <laughs> like, I just want to say hi to you. He was like, you chased me four blocks to say hi. <laughs> yeah, and then I just got stupid at that point because he has a show, um, the the one act of it, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, is called On Tidy Endings, which they made, HBO made a film called Tidy Endings. When I was in high school, we did that one act play, and I played the, the young kid that was in that. And I just remember like him being so irritated with us and me being like, I was, I wasn't, I was and on tidy endings. <laughs> wow. Well, it cracks me up. Wow. <laughs> um, I would judge you if I didn't have a similar story about being stupid in front of a celebrity who, and no disrespect to this man, who is nowhere near as famous as Harvey Firestein is. Um, I, uh, me and my partner at the time went and saw um, Hal Sparks from <laughs> Queer's Folk. Yeah. He did stand up, and uh, we went and saw him after the show. He was doing a meet and greet. He did talk soup when it was yes. He was like, the he very was, first he talk the first, soup. Yeah, yeah. He uh, made it. Oh no, wait. He was Greg Kinnear was the first one. Oh, okay. And then he took over for yeah. Greg Kinnear. Um, and we went back there, and I, we, me, and Jeff, who was my partner at the time, had just gotten done watching um, Queer as Folk back to back. We had gotten the DVDs. Um, this was during the height of the DVD era, and uh, I was just so like in awe of being in front of him. And uh, uh, he did this little bit in the his uh, stand-up about paintball, and Jeff loves paintball. So they're talking about paintballing and, you know, how he likes to go out and shoot people with paintballs. Um, and I'm just standing there, and I was like, well, I need to get in, and I need Hal Sparks to know that I love him too. And uh, um, I was trying to think of a way in, and for some reason I yelled as they're talking, I'm in the military. <laughs> And they both stop and they look over at me and I just froze. I didn't say nothing. And he goes, nice. And Jeff goes, yeah, we're both in the Air Force. And he goes, oh, well, thank you for your service. And Jeff's like, thank you. And um, I just froze. I didn't say anything. And uh, uh, I said a couple other stupid things. And then he goes, do you want to do you want an autograph? And he probably thought I was just some, you know, his mentally challenged boyfriend or brother or something. <laughs> So he signed, uh, went to sign my ticket. I handed my ticket stub. And uh, he goes, what's your name? And I said, Jeremy. And I said, it's J-E-R-M. No, wait, J-E. Oh no, that's, that's not it. And he goes, 
it's okay, sport. I, I've I've written this one before. And he just <laughs> wrote it, hand me the ticket, and then he said, "Thanks for coming to the show." Jeff pushed me out, and uh, as we're walking to the car, he's like, "I've thought of something funny to tell him to fix what I just did." And he goes, "No, no, we're not going back in there. You did enough damage getting the car." Do you remember what it was? I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't think he was probably was going to say nothing's going to fix this. I probably was going to say something even stupider, and then have he would have called the cops on us. But um, so that yeah, I understand that <laughs> meeting someone who maybe um, that's why I don't like to meet celebrities now. Maybe, maybe. maybe, is so, it the, maybe did Harvey so do trauma. it to you? You know, mm. what? I don't care. I'd still, I would, I would love to. To, he's the kind of person I'd love to sit down to like a big dinner and him just yammer the whole time, telling yeah. story after story after story. He and I will say this: one of the things that about Harvey Firestein is he reminds me a lot of my uncle Sal, who's my gay uncle on my mother's side. There's a lot of similarities between the two of them. The way they, now he doesn't have his raspy voice. He has a little bit of a raspy, raspy voice, but the way that they talk and the mannerisms and the way that they tell a story. So I think that's why, like listening to this book, it just felt like a family member sitting at the dining room table wanting to tell me all their stories, which is wonderful. You know, I should probably be more receptive to the history of my, my people. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, okay, I get it. And it's just like this, you know, Life was hard for us back then. I know. I know. We have it good. These, you have it good these days. I know. I know. Um, so it was It was not not an enjoyable book. It was just, it took me a couple of sittings to get through. Um, but he's a wonderful man. Wonderful man. I will say. Well, there wasn't this, you know, amazing imagery of hands interlocking and releasing uh, and all that. Maybe but. there should have been. Um what I will say is I did play with the audio speed on the um, on the audiobook. And uh, besides listening to him at double speed is hilarious. Um, if you go down to half speed, so if you you take your your audiobook on your phone and you go to 0 0.5, he's Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. <laughs> And I listened to a good, maybe that's where the issue was. It took me a while to get through this book because I listened to a good portion of it on half speed. Um, and I learned a lot about Harvey Firestein through Emperor Palpatine, um, which is amazing. You should totally listen I to it. I felt at way. double speed, um, he lost a lot of the raspiness in his voice. <clears throat> yeah, he, yeah, he lost a little bit of the raspiness, yeah, but it, it's there. It's, it's there. interesting that they, he addresses that, that it's. Um, he used to sing soprano in a choir for a couple of years, yeah. and and but I guess he's got like extra vocal cords that creates yeah, that. Yeah, he was born with uh, a extra set of vocal cords, which runs in I guess his uh, in his runs in his family. Um, but also, he did a show. What show was it? Where it you... was the one where he was screaming about Jesus. <laughs> I forget the name oh, of the show, yeah. but every night he would go out there and he would scream about. Um, was uh, it like the Lola Mama Theater? Right? Yeah, it was the. I think it was the Andy Warhol musical. Oh, okay. And he would his part is he would uh, he would scream. Yeah. And it ruined his vocal cords. Yeah. Now that's dedication to a yeah. character. You know, I really enjoyed that whole part of the book. You know, I love this 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 idea of this this off off Broadway group of people that write these weird shows and put them on and just have a really good time being crazy. And then boom, one of them 
One of them writes yeah. something and it changes their lives forever. You know, I think that also is the difference between you and me. Why you enjoyed this book probably more than I did. Um, that like that theater lifestyle, that bohemian living in New York, making some weird ass theater, never appealed to me. Like that is not entertaining to me. Um, watching a bunch of people in a black box in black robes run around and talk about weird shit. And then one pulls like a baby doll out of their vagina and swinging it around. That kind of shit doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not for me. I have an appreciation for for people who do that. Or like that one show they talked about where they literally had an orgy on stage. Yeah. And the audience wasn't aware. They just thought, oh, they're great actors. Yeah, they just and and I know that this is um, probably um, what do the kids call it? A hot take. Um, I am not that um, enthralled by Andy Warhol's art or what he does. I don't find him that fascinating. I don't think he was that exciting or inventive. Your soup can was fine, <laughs> um, but I mean, I just. I, I was thinking about this while I was listening to the book. Um, I feel like entertainment is broken up like 1990s rap. You have East Coast and you have West Coast. East Coast is Broadway and New York. And West Coast is Hollywood and movies. And I am a movies Hollywood guy. I am not a Broadway New York guy. <laughs> um, I love reading biographies of people growing up in Hollywood and the film industry. The stage industry just never appealed to me. And I, that's what a lot of this book oh, yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the first, most of it is, until they filmed Torch Song Trilogy. Yeah, and uh, the book, when he talks about the movies, he talks. there's a part where he talks about Robin Williams, and he talks about getting Torch Song Trilogy made into a movie. I enjoyed those part of the books, that part of the book, more than I enjoyed the Andy Warhol and the... Yeah, I from the beginning, though, um, I thought... I was like, I think I'm going to, well, I knew I was going to like it. I asked for the book because I love Harvey Firestein. So I got it for Christmas last year and now I decided to read it. Is that what and it took, Yeah, here? and it was one day. They signed yeah, copy? I just, I read it all in, in one did you, sitting. Did you notice he signed it across the entire front and back cover? I did not. I did not notice that. But from the beginning, in I pink? mean, like the name of it. Um, I was better last night. Yes, it's just, and he explains what that right, and I think that that that's fantastic. I like that that he and he described it because I like to bake too. <laughs> that humans struggled to get a recipe right two nights in a row mm-hmm. or twice in a row, and I find that fascinating. That it's just, um, you know, he looks back on his life and he thinks that he's he was always better at some yeah. at some point, and that trying to recreate it isn't good. But also, he's in recovery. And yeah. he talks a lot about 12-step programs because you're not allowed to talk about the specific one. <laughs> and, you know, I find that all interesting. And I, I say this all the time. I think everybody should do this process of, of 12 steps where you say you, you just write out all of your problems in life or all your grievances and then say what role you had played in that and what you could have done differently yeah. and try to live your life that way on an ongoing basis. And he talks about that, too. So I thought that was fascinating. Did you not keep a journal when you were a kid? Were you a journal keeper? Well, I mean, I was. I had. I was in school, and we had to keep journals. Every... No, but like you didn't keep like a diary kind of thing. Oh, I've. I kept diaries. I wrote a lot of stuff down, a lot, and I still have some of them. And I actually went back and read some of them a couple of days ago. Well, a couple of weeks ago. Time has no meaning anymore. Um, but I wrote some weird shit. But I think that twelve step pro- st- uh, those twelve step programs of just kind of processing uh, your thoughts. 
Um, I think people who kept diaries when they were younger were 12-step programming before they even knew what a 12-step program was because that's essentially what my diary was. And I have some weird shit I processed on paper that I would never let anyone read. FYI. Yeah, I mean, it might be, yeah, sure. It's a, it's a little different, but yeah. I mean, you, um, because it's easy to lie to yourself. I, I, well, mean, yeah. I kept diaries and it's in their, in their, they're interesting. I don't know. Should, you know, we should do an episode where we bring our diaries in and we read a couple. Of yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that is not going to happen. So, what did you think about the about the story? I just wrote down like stories that I thought were interesting, mm-hmm. and the one where he's talking about the the movie um, Death to Smoochie, which I guess I had seen, but I forgot that he was. I in love that movie, and I don't understand people who don't love that movie because it is so weird and it is wonderful and delightful. Um, he's in it very little. He's not like a. He's not one of the main. And most of this I've noticed, like the movies, other than Torch Song trilogy that he's in. He's just a in, in movies. He's just small parts in a lot of movies. Um, but I loved it. I love um, the fact that Edward Norton and John Stewart haven't talked to him since then because of weird shit he had to do to them in the movie. Well, that's the point of it. Is yeah. that they told him that wasn't it Robin Williams yes. who was like, I'm exhausted. We want to go home and we can't go home until Edward Norton. No, it was scared. um the director. Oh, okay. Um it was uh Danny DeVito Oh, right, right, right. It was Danny DeVito. And he's like, I need to get I just need to get a look on Edward Norton's face. So I need you to say something to him that is gonna give him a shocked look. We get that on camera, we can get the fuck out of here. So, yeah, he talks about it in the book. He get, They get in the car. They're very close. And Harvey Weinstein <laughs> starts to talk about um, some weird sexual things. <laughs> and it, terif- Ooh, it terrified Edward Norton. <laughs> Danny DeVito got the, the shot that he wanted. Edward Norton booked out of the car, and he has not talked to Harvey Firestein since, <laughs> which is so weird to me. It's like, you're all filming a movie, and I've heard stories about Edward Norton, and he's a weird actor's kind of actor kind of guy. He totally should have been. Yeah. Yeah. He should have the whole just rolled with it. Thing. Yeah. Maybe he was here because he felt like he had to go home and then do those things, and it yeah. screwed up his life. Um, I also, uh, I just wrote down things that were funny. Um, when... His grandmother, who he referred to as, was it? I forgot. It was something goose. Mentioning that, that is one thing in the book I think that made it difficult for me to keep track of things and made it hard to get through the book is he does not address everyone by one name. So, like when he's talking about his mother, he'll say Ma. Or and he'll say Jackie. Uh, Jackie, yeah, and he goes back and forth, and he does that with a lot of people. He'll mention them by first name, then last name. He'll mention first name, then last name, and it's like, is that the same person he was talking about? And it's just so confused. It's like my grandmother telling a story. <laughs> That's why I love, and it was it. driving me nuts. I couldn't keep track of anything. But when she went to see, so his grandmother goes and sees Torchong trilogy, yeah. and afterwards she asks his mother, "Is Harvey a homosexual?" Yes. And his mother says, "How would I know? Do I sleep with him?" <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, I thought it was hilarious that um, so, so the story of Torch Song trilogy on Broadway is that um, he was in this theater again. I, I I don't know if I it's probably in one of these pages. Um, 
the the theater that he started working at when he got out of school. Yeah. And that he would put the shows on there and they'd have great success. So they tried to move them to off Broadway and they wouldn't have a great yeah. success. So they were worried about Torch Song Trilogy when they took the, which is like one, three one acts that they combined together to yeah. make yeah. the show, which is why it's called Torch Song Trilogy. And they were worried how it would translate to Broadway and it wasn't doing well. And, the producers said to him, we're going to let this run for another two weeks, but we're going to have to close. We'll do everything we can to keep it open, but we don't think it's going to be open. And then that day he read the Times review of it, which is a raved review. And then all of a sudden it was the biggest show on Broadway. Everybody wanted to go see it. So Madeline Kahn, that that whole bit where Madeline Kahn tried to get in using her NYU <laughs> student ID, and the guy's like, "But you're Madeline, you're Madeline Kahn. Kahn. You can pay for the ticket." Yeah, um, yeah. And I forget exactly what she, something about you know times are hard, or she, she needed the discount or yeah. something. <laughs> um, but that yeah, I absolutely love that. Yeah, that I love Madeline Kahn, and it, I was surprised to see that John Cryer and Patrick Dempsey played the character of David in Torch Song Trilogy, yeah. which is this son that, that Harvey Firestein's character, Arthur, ultimately adopts. Yeah. And in, in the third one. So that was that was fun. Oh, the other person, you know, I love to hear the stories about famous people and they're <laughs> either being excited about something or completely not being excited about it. So Ethel Merman's reaction to Torch Song Trilogy is hilarious to me. Uh, because Harvey Firestein met her. She came backstage. She saw the yeah. show, and then she came backstage, and he said, what did you think of it? And she said, I thought it was a piece of shit. But the rest of the audience laughed and cried. So what, so do I what the fuck do I know? Um, yeah, she said, um, Ethel Merman, she's the one who was in, what was that movie, Towering Inferno? Or no, The Poseidon Adventure. No, that was um, Shirley, Mac- Shirley Winters. Shirley Winters, that's right. All those old white ladies, they're all the same to me. Um, yeah, they're just, there's a lot of little stories in there, like the little Hollywood bits that I really dug. Um, one of them, and we'll get more into this, I guess, when we talk about the actual movie, um, that was really, like, really depressed me. I was like, are you kidding me? Because I really liked them, is uh, Anne Bancroft, when the movie was a hit and she saw it, and she's like, if I would have known it was going to be this good, I'd have tried harder. Yeah. And I'm like, you're you're supposed to be a professional and just and it killed Harvey Firestein yeah. when he, he's like, you know, uh. And I thought she did great in the movie, but um, you know, fucking lady, you're being paid for a job. Do it. Right. Um, and then the other one was I got the feeling Matthew Broderick, maybe not now, but then maybe a little uncomfortable with gay people um because during the filming of the movie first of all when uh he uh, harvey asked him to be in the movie um because in the the play he played his son right and he wanted him to play alan one of his lovers in the movie and uh matthew broderick was like oh i was just in a car accident and by the way side note i don't know if you're aware of this uh matthew broderick killed a person in that accident that he was talking about. He murdered a human being in a car accident. Allegedly. Anyway, look it up. Like, really. like uh, a, a, he, a person died. It doesn't mean he murdered yeah. them. Um, so when he listens to this podcast, let's make sure. <laughs> allegedly, he murdered a person. A person died in a car accident. Um, so uh, he said, I'm recouping from a car accident. And based on the other things that Harvey had said, I think he had to really think about whether he wanted to be a gay person in this movie. He didn't come out looking good from this book. He looked a little homophobic. 
And in the part in the movie where he kisses um, Ed, uh, apparently he couldn't be near Ed for the rest of the the actor who played Ed for the rest of the movie. He just seemed a little maybe he enjoyed it too much. Mm, seemed a little homophobic to me. Maybe he's like, I need to I need to memorize my lines. How is someone get away from me? How is someone who's married to uh, Carrie from Sex and the City uh, uncomfortable around gay people? Well, I don't know. I, you know, I watched, you know, this. I went through like this uh, when I was called like Harvey Firestein K hole. Yeah. And I, um, I saw a lot of interviews with them together. I didn't get that vibe from them at all. Uh, you know, I mean, Harvey Firestein took him out to gay bars. Yeah. Uh, and, and stuff. And they, you know, got along. Mm. Um, you know, one thing. So this was, what is this? This is like billed as the first, um, play. Uh, gay play on Broadway, starred by a gay person Something that, like that, that won yeah. awards, um, which I thought was really cool. And so when it won, the producer thanked his husband for, you know, like people thank their partners all the time now yeah. at award show. Well, the producer thanked his husband for bearing with him through all of this and, and, and you know, for their life together. And then the next year, Lakasha Faux was up for a couple of awards. It's Harvey Firestein had written that. And the Tonys said, let's not have any more embarrassing moments like like the yeah, best, the, yeah, like the best play winner last year. Um, and thanking, you know, gay partners or kind of something like that. Which made Harvey Firestein then when he won thanked uh, his partner thanked yeah. his partner specifically because of that. And I guess he said he gets credited for being the first, but it was the other guy. So I just want to mention that. That was interesting. Um It's w- interesting being Broadway. That they were homophobic on Broadway. Well, I, mean, I mean, that just seems like the gayest of all of the mediums. Right. I mean, it is now. Well, that's a thing that he talks about, too. Harvey Firestein talks about that in his book. He is not a fan of closeted gay a- actors who were famous. Yeah. Uh, because people like him were out, and it was a struggle. But people who were gay and would hang out with all of them on the down low were living this great life. And he thought... You know, if everybody just came out, much like Harvey Milk says, right? If everybody just came out, it would be a lot easier for everybody. So he did not. I think he actually just said, fuck closeted actors at some point. I'm just quoting the book here. So don't get mad yeah. at me for a second. Um, anyway, I thought it was great. The other One other story that I thought was really cute was um, that he was trying to get Cindy Lauper involved in Kiki Boots. Yeah. And she just wasn't responding to him. And he said, well, I've always wanted to work with Alan Minkin, so... I'm going to, I'll make an appointment. I'll go with him and, you know, we'll see if he can do that. And when he was getting dressed to go there, Cindy Lauper called him and said, I'm in. But he already had this meeting with Alan Minkin. So he took the meeting and told him, like, Alan was really excited about getting involved in Kinky Boots and being, you know, in this production with him. And he's like, listen, Cindy called. She's going to do it. Let's do something else. And that's where it was invented that they would do Newsies. And Newsies was a big hit. So that was all kind of interesting, but I do like what Alan Minkin said. I don't know the context of it really, but he was talking about um, like he played something and he said, that's a gorgeous melody. And Alan Minkin said, please, I shit gorgeous melodies, <laughs> which is so true. You know, he's he's been a lot of, involved in a lot of Disney shows and Little Shop of Horrors and Newsies and all that. So I thought that was great. Um, I, I will say this too. I can't believe they didn't tell their mother. So so Harvey and his brother, they're they're sort of like they work together yeah. throughout his whole career. And towards the end of their mother's life, she she developed cancer and they just decided not to tell her. And I find that I mean I guess that's a family decision, it's a thing they can do. They know their mother, but I just couldn't imagine um 
not telling somebody they were dying of cancer. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean that. Yeah. It's 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 a family decision. But yeah, if if any family members are listening, if you find out I have cancer, you can tell me. Don't hide it from me. Yeah. I mean, I guess there was a thing that she <clears throat> that she would talk about. She was really concerned about something in her health, and they just didn't want that to overtake it. So so that's probably why. I just can't imagine a setting in which I wouldn't tell my mother that if I knew that. I mean, I can imagine a setting where she wouldn't tell me. Yeah. You know, if she did. I'd probably read about it on Facebook. That's how we communicate a lot. <laughs> my my roommate, Jen, would read it on Facebook, and then she would tell me. So that was all. That was interesting. I, I thought the book was fascinating, which then I watched the Barbara Walters interview that's in there. I thought that was great. I watched him on Johnny Carson with Joan Rivers. I think he's great. And then we were inspired then to go and watch the movie Torch Song Trilogy. Yes. Um, and it was okay. <laughs> I'll send you the link here. We'll talk about it. You can read it later. But Matthew Broderick was charged with manslaughter and faced five years in prison in England. Really? But we'll get into the details of it later. Um, it was a, it, it involved a, a, a vehicle. Um, but I got to read through the whole story to get the details of it. But yeah, he was being charged with manslaughter in England. Oh, wow. In 1987. Which, allegedly, is also around the same time that George W. Bush's wife was charged with murder. Um, she also killed somebody allegedly vehicular homicide. Um, but there's a I, there's an interesting article I'll send to you. Maybe we'll talk about it late on the of the next issue um, of celebrities who were charged with murder or involved in getting someone killed um, that people don't talk about. It's like a list of twenty celebrities, and they're like well known celebrities who had a hand in in someone's death. Um, we'll find a gay person on that list, and we'll talk about that one. Anyways, yes, we watched. <laughs> Nice segue. We talked about, we watched uh, Torch Song Trilogy. So this is one of the rarities in today's um, um, film watching experience that is not available to stream anywhere. It was not an easy find. No. This is a um, old school ordering a DVD through the mail. <laughs> it I know. arrives in which, an envelope that is unmarked. Which is why I had to go to your house to watch it because I don't even have a DVD player. Because I, I told Joey, my uh, brother who lives with me, I was like, hey, um, Rick's coming over. Because he was going to leave. And uh, before I knew he was leaving, I was like, in case you're wondering, you know, why there's a car in the driveway. I was like, Rick's coming over um, and we're going to watch this movie. I said, I'm pretty sure it's because he doesn't have a DVD player because we had to go old school with this one and order a DVD. And I luckily I have a PlayStation which plays DVDs. But if I didn't have the PlayStation... I didn't have a way to watch it either. Yeah, and it's not like our computers have CD no. drives on them anymore. No. So we were like, hey. Eh, you can't watch hard media anymore. <laughs> hard media. <laughs> you know, I will tell you, there's a, I have a little bit of history with this, with Torchlock Trilogy. Yes. Again, because, you know, like I said, when I was a kid, I idolized him. Um, I. You know who that, before we get started on that, you know who that was kind of for me? And then my mother, she'd be so happy if I married this man. Um, the Harvey Firestein in our family was Nathan Lane. Mm. My mother is obsessed with that man. And when I came out as gay, she was like, could you marry Har- Nathan Lane for me? <laughs> uh, well, I, so I rented the movie. I watched a blockbuster and got the, you know, the VHS cassette and, um, took it, took it home. And I sat down and made my parents watch it. And then 
um because i had heard about it in a book when i was a kid i had this thing called the gay book of lists and and it was in there and so i i made my parents watch it and then the next day came out to my mom and of course she was like you know did this movie this this movie make you gay and there was like a pause and it was like the movie was a way to ease us into the idea that you're gay. I was like, yeah. And so, um, so anyway, it's had a, it's always had an important part of my life and I remember it so differently. Um, you know, all those years ago, 30 years ago when I watched it, then, then this time when I watched it, it doesn't, I will say it doesn't age well. Yeah. You know, like it comes across as an older movie when you watch it today. Um, but I think that the substance of it is still, amazing and and what someone had to go through in the late 70s and early 80s um, being out and being who they were authentically and all of the problems that 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 would come with that yeah yeah and it I think because it was an independent film um, it was shot on the cheap so I think that is kind of what dates it a little bit is it feels very much like a movie that was filmed on film in the 1980s um, also, I think it, even though the movie, it's the movie version, I know it's based off of a play, but even the movie version feels like you're watching a play. It feels very <laughs> you, play-like. Do you know? Probably because the person who wrote it is used to writing plays. Yeah. Um, but that, that scene, like the B-roll scenes. Yeah. Like, did they just, did he just have a camera and got in his car and drove across the bridge at night yeah. to, to, to film that one scene the, in the beginning, yeah, it's, it's just, just so, so shaky. shaky and so long. Yeah. It's like the there's like this forty five seconds to a minute long just B roll scene of them going across one of the bridges in New York. I don't live there, um, but it's just silent for the first half, and then he's talking to uh, Ed um, in the in the cab uh, or the Ed's car. And uh, it's just B-roll of them going across the bridge. And it's just such a long clip of B-roll that it's, yeah, it's no disrespect to the filmmaker at the time. But, you know, it was, it's, it's not great filmmaking. Um, It's a good story. Um, It definitely feels like a play, but it was not great filmmaking. Yeah. Um, So for, just for people who haven't seen it, sort of the, the, the context of this is it's the late seventies. Harvey Firestein plays a drag queen that is a full-time drag queen, makes a full living at this. Yeah. Well, the play is late 70s, early 80s, but he bumped it to the early 70s for the movie. Oh, okay. So it starts in the early 70s because he wanted the whole story to take place before the AIDS crisis. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And so he's a he's a drag queen. He goes to a bar. He meets a guy. They start to have a relationship with the guy. He's, he's bisexual and gravitates towards the what at the time was the normal path for a person and so this guy wants to marry a a woman they and they sort of lose sight of each other yeah and but harvey firestein was madly in love with him so then he's alone for a while until he meets Alan. alan um who is a younger um younger hot ticket kind of guy in in the community and they fall in love and then they decide that they're going to adopt a kid and tragedy strikes on the eve of that uh, adoption and then so the last part of it is alan you know uh it's years later alan's raising the son uh, not alan our yeah. arthur the, arthur the person harvey, that, yeah. that harvey Firesing plays is raising the son um this teenage kid who they adopted who's yeah. gay also and it's his mother's coming into town 
played by Anne Bancroft, and they... I just said her name very odd. It's just Anne Bancroft, not Anne Bancroft. Uh, and, um, you know, and it's they're dealing with that bizarre family unit that they seem to have at this moment in time. Yeah. And um, side note, Estelle Getty played Arthur's mom in the Broadway production yes. of, of, of this show. And I wish she had played it in this movie. It would have been weird, though, because she's so LGBTQ friendly and this character is so not. No. I mean, it was just in the. It, it, it was a different time. Like, it, like I said, this movie comes from the time when people would drop f bombs all the time. Um, you know, describing gay people, and it wasn't okay to be gay, and it was okay to hate on gay people. So it was just the vicious nature in which his mother just completely negated his life was just. It was weird to hear, um, you know. But the thing I liked about this character that I think is true of Harvey Firestein's life is that even even in that situation, he's like, no, I'm going to stand up for who I am. And you're my mother, but if you can't respect me, you need to get out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird watching things like that because um, I recognize I come from a place of privilege. Of uh, I came out to a family that was extremely accepting, that uh, even before I came out was just accepting of gay people. My parents met in a gay bar. Um, they're just a very accepting, uh, family. Um, so watching scenes like that where the mother's like, you know, what is wrong with you? And at one point, Anne Bancroft's character, his mother says, um, uh, he's like, you know, I was born gay and I'm, I'm that way. And she goes, if I would have known that you were going to turn out to be gay, I just wouldn't have even bothered having you. And just for a mother to talk to their child like that, I was like, in my head, I was like... Get up and tell that bitch to get out of your house <laughs> and never talk to her again. And I get the connection. You know, that's his mother. So, you know, he's trying to work on the relationship. But, like, come on. It's like somebody says that to you. I don't care what, how, how they're related to you and your family. That is just toxic to steal another word from the kids. That is a yeah. toxic relationship. And I don't care if it's your mother. You cut ties there. Yeah, and I think that's what the – that's why our community holds chosen family so yeah. so close and tightly and that those bonds are are super important because they come from these kind of roots. Uh, I do like, though, that he says to her, you know, would you rather I didn't tell you? Would you rather not know me and, and not be a part of my life? Uh, because that's the choice. Like he gave yeah. her the opportunity to know him when this other character in the show um, was not was didn't talk to his family or his parents and it's interesting because it reminds me of i have a, a family member who every time a celebrity comes out is like yeah so what who cares why do you got to tell us i don't have to come out as straight and it's just it's like it, that's and they not, don't realize that that's a privilege right and, and 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 that it's important that they tell you that because it is part of their life and so the mother was mad because she's like, every conversation that you have with me is gay, 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 gay. Everything's about being gay. And it's like, it's not. It's about, like, if I tell you I went to the movies with my husband, I'm not telling you I'm gay. I'm not shoving it down your face. I'm just telling you I went to the movies with my husband. But you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that I'm gay. So that makes you uncomfortable, and therefore it makes it a gay conversation. So I love the way that he addressed that. I kind of, yeah. I really, really enjoy Harvey Firestein. So I really enjoy this movie, even though <laughs> I could agree with you that it was a little dated. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, 
I mean, I don't know if this is a movie that I would seek out, um, but being, you know, sat in front of the TV and saying, hey, we're going to watch this for the show. I mean, I'm glad I watched it, um, but it is definitely dated. It is definitely geared to a very specific kind of out uh, coming out um, uh, and a, a very particular kind of story. Um, I am not a New York Jew whose family didn't accept him. So it's a very specific story. Uh, and it's important to have all the stories out. Um, I, um, from a film standpoint, I didn't enjoy the film. It was very weird. Yeah. Um, I would use it though as a, if I had to make a list of like 10 must watch movies for, you know, gay kids, I would put it on there. Yeah. I might. So I'm going to feel like you and I are going to sit on opposite sides of this, these numbers. Um, but let's do Rotten Tomatoes. What did you uh, think? What do you think Rotten Tomatoes came out um, I mean, I'm sure the critics liked it. The critics liked uh, everything back then that was uh, considered like fringe independent. So I'm going to say critics 88. And I'm going to say audiences, just because with gay films, I'm finding that uh, a lot of homophobes get in there and they're like, no, this movie's too queer. So I'll say um, 75. It's the opposite. Mm. Critics were 77. And I just, I looked this time, there were probably about like 55 reviews, if that many, 22 maybe. Um, And audience was 91 with over 5,000 reviews. Interesting. I don't know if I'd give it a 91, but I wouldn't give it a 77. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle would be yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Well, you so know. that's our Harvey Firestein show. It was important to me that we do this. I'm sure, you know, now <laughs> I will pay for this one day, I'm sure, by having to watch something that I absolutely will not enjoy. Oh, we're going to do like a total anime. <laughs> superhero gay episode <laughs> i'm sure i'll be really great but next week we already know what we're doing next week oh i'm gonna be out of town on vacation yes. so we're gonna record early and next week we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about bottoms which is in theaters now um about uh two queer women who start a fight club in their high school to try to score with cheerleaders and we're going to take a uh a a, a step back to 1969 to a little film called the gay deceivers um, which is about uh, a couple of straight guys who pretend to be gay uh, in order to avoid being shipped off to the war. And uh, if you're on TikTok, there's this really famous scene from it where the two guys come out and one of the uh, one of their neighbors, who's a lady, is stepping all over his flowers. And um, he says some not so nice things to her in a very exaggerated gay queen voice. Uh, that I'm sure we'll do it next episode. So um, should be delightful. It should be fun. Should be a good episode. A lot of camp. I feel like that will be the camp episode. So pack your sleeping bags. <laughs> All right. All right. But until then, uh, cork back in the bottle. <laughs>